Canucks Central Deadline Day. It's Dan Rachel and Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. NHL trade deadline coverage is brought to you by Maui Gym Sunglasses. Born on the beaches of Hawaii, Maui Gym Sunglasses are designed with polarized plus two lenses that protect eyes from harmful rays and enhance the view. Try on a pair and see for yourself. What I want to know, like I, I do have a pair of Maui Gym sunglasses. Oh, you do? If I put them on yeah. and look at the Canucks cap friendly page yeah. or a better proposition, look at Sat's spreadsheet of the Canucks cap picture, <laughs> will that, will they be like drunk goggles? Will they make the cap picture look better than what it currently is for the Vancouver Canucks after deadline day? Only, only... <laughs> If you down about four drinks. Okay. And then put those goggles on. Maybe, just maybe, you might see different numbers. Man, I love my Maui Gym sunglasses, but yes. uh, this Canucks cat picture, it is um, incomplete right now. It's a work in progress? Yes. <laughs> Under construction? Is that how we should deem it? Yes, I think we can. Uh, all, all of those do apply right now. <laughs> Canucks uh, did make a couple of deals today, um, yeah. sending out Curtis Lazar to the New Jersey Devils for a first round, uh, not, not a first round draft no. choice, a fourth round draft choice Yes, in 2024, so next season. And uh, they also sent out uh, Wyatt Kalanick to the New York Rangers for uh, the always coveted future considerations. So uh, they uh, open up a couple of contract slots uh, with those moves today, and it concludes a deadline. Um, what did you tell me? They, they made five trades. They've made five trades since the Horvat trade? Yeah, five trades since the Horvat trade. Uh, yeah, Hironic, Kraftsov, Stillman, Lazar. And the last one, which they snuck in yeah. under the wire, Kalinic. Yeah. They just snuck it right in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Got to get that uh, that big deal in. The wide clinic one. And, and uh, peeling back the curtain a little bit. And it's one of those things, like, I was so happy I didn't say anything. Because I kind of heard, okay, the Canucks have oh, something. Oh, so you knew? I, I knew there was a small <laughs> little deal. I heard there was something else. Like, you know, after the deadline, there might be something else happening. And I'm like, okay. But I'm like, okay, like, what if it's, like, really minor? So I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Could you imagine if I hyped that deal? And be like, Canucks still have something. There's something in the trade queue waiting for it to come down. May not be big, but let's see what happens. Yeah. And everyone's, like, whipping themselves up into a frenzy. And they're like, that's what it was? <laughs> this guy? <laughs> this is what you got? <laughs> this is what you got me all excited about? So, oh, yeah. okay, Patrick Alvin is going to join us, Canucks General Manager, exclusive conversation here in a couple of minutes. But um, kidding aside, how do we assess what the Canucks were able to do or not do uh, in this deadline season from the Horvat trade onward? They've... They've made a sideways move from where they were starting the season. Yeah. They've traded Horvat, but they've upgraded on the back end, which is what they've done is they've switched one area for another area. That's essentially what's happened this season. Yeah. Outside of that, what else have we seen? We've seen they moved Luke Shen. Mm -hmm. We've seen them, you know, um, they've added money on the books for next season. They've added a forward. But essentially what they've done is flip a center for... A right shot D. Yeah, right shot D. Does that make you a better team? I don't know if that makes you a significantly better team. It makes you a more balanced team, but I don't think you're farther ahead. So in terms of everything the Canucks have done, all these nine moves, I don't think they're a better team, but they're maybe a more balanced team. That still has a lot of work to do in order to become the good team they want to be. Yeah. 
um, Alvin was um, at least honest about that when he mm-hmm. spoke to the rest of the media, and uh, we're not we're going to try and you know follow up on some of the things he said uh, with the public today and get some more out of him than what he's already said to the public in his news conference. But he did say there's a lot of work to do. It's pretty obvious there's still a lot of work to do. Like. You know, they've added, what, Beauvillier and Hronik to next year's roster. Mm-hmm. I guess Kravtsov you can throw in there. Are we supposed to expect that this team is vastly better after those few moves? Vastly better, no, right? In terms of a personnel standpoint, they're not vastly better. Yeah. The question is the mix, and the other question is clearly with uh, what Alvin mentioned about being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They believe that they can make the playoffs, which essentially what they're saying is we believe with this mix, the team is better. And with the coach that we have in place, he's going to get more out of our players. Yeah. That was essentially what he said when he met with the media today. And they've sort of towed that line for a while now where it's like we need to be more of a team sort of thing and and that will help us get better. Yeah. And and it's asking a lot for people to take a leap of faith Mm -hmm. on this core. Yeah. And that's why more has to come. And I think more is coming. We're going to talk about this. And, and people are texting in and saying, you guys are obsessed with the cap. You don't think they know about the cap and yada, yada. And, and Alvin himself said that they think they can figure the cap out. A cap, the cap is only one part of the equation. But undoubtedly, the Canucks have so much more work they have to do. Yeah. Right? Like there, There's so much more that has to get done. The cap, you got to figure out. That's one aspect of it. You still got to find at least one more defenseman for next year in your top four. You still need to find another one in addition to that long-term to have the top four you need. Like you have two right now. You need two more. You can maybe make it work with one more and and yep. you move some of the guys around and see if Quinn Hughes can carry Ethan Bear or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get, you get around it that way. Up front, if you find a third-line center, okay, you get a little bit closer to it. But there's so much more that has to happen. For them to do any of that stuff in terms of finding that other defenseman and finding that other centerman, they're going to have to move somebody out. Yep. And maybe they feel like they can, or maybe they feel like they're going to buy somebody out. But there, there's, there are multiple shoes that have to drop. So it's still like we joked about early on. It's a work in progress. Yeah. It's under construction still. Very much under construction for a team that wants to be a playoff team next year, that's capped out, doesn't have a ton of assets, mm-hmm. and had a really tough season this year. So it's, it's not an easy thing. They did a lot of stuff up until now, right? And I give them credit for the Stillman trade. I give them credit for the Lazar trade. But they also added money on the books with Hironic and Bavillier. So as much as those things are positive, there's still so much more that has to happen. Yeah. And I undoubtedly believe it will happen because we saw a lot of trades. But the fact that we didn't see another big move happen has everybody on pins and needles, right? A lot of fans are like, so how are they going to figure this out? Mm-hmm. And why should I trust that they're going to figure it out? That's the big question. So uh, if you want to look at it, you know, as we've said, you know, they traded Horvat and a second round pick. And in exchange, they got Beauvillier, they got Aturatu, they got Philip Ronick, and a fourth rounder. Now, you might look at that trade and be like, yeah, that, I, a lot of people might say they make that trade, mm-hmm. right? They actually, uh, you know, they're just a little bit over what Bo Horvat's eventual cap hit ended up being. Eight and a half million. What do uh, Beauvillier and Hronik add up to? Four point, or 8.7. Mm-hmm. So you got two players uh, instead of the price of just keeping Bo Horvat. Yeah, so I mean, it's 8.7, but they subtracted uh, 1.35 and 1, so 2.35 million from that with Lazar and Stillman. Yeah. So if you're you doing the, the proper calculation for it, then it comes out to just a shade under five, over 5 million. Yeah, so they've sort of figured it out 
in a way, you know, when it, you look ahead and you start to build out what next year's cap starts to look like. But what has always been the problem is you're dangling this tightrope of the salary cap when you are a bottom five team in the National Hockey League or close to a bottom five team in the National Hockey League. And the hard part about the salary cap, we all know, is it's very hard to be multiple things at once. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, it's very difficult to try and be good, get better, and also get assets for the future. You can't have cap flexibility and also try and be getting better in the short term. Usually those th two things do not equal each other. It's very difficult to do both at the same time because getting better amounts to making more commitments to the salary cap. It's, it's a high wire act. Yes. Because the Canucks don't have a lot of margin for error. Like they can't be wrong at a heroic trade. No. They can't be wrong on these moves that they're making because if they are, you just got nothing to fall back on. You know, there's no safety net in terms of extra assets. There's no safety net in terms of extra cap space. And when there's no safety net, you just can't get your moves wrong. It doesn't mean you can't be better next year. You can, but you just don't have the, the margin to make any mistakes. And any big move you're making has to work out for you. And I think that's also part of the reason there is a lot of angst here. Because it always feels... You know how JT Miller was complaining uh, that it feels like it's been a game seven for the yeah. last year and a half. Well, I, mean, I think a lot of fans kind of feel like, it's, you know, like we're, we're right on the cusp of either making it or breaking it with every single move. We're one move away from this completely falling apart. You know, like that's kind of the sense that's been out there, whether it's fair or not. And I don't, I don't think that sense is going to be alleviated given the current situation from a lot of fans. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. People are texting in and saying, you know, rip these, this team. What is going on with this incompetence? Like express the anger of the fan base. Like fans are frustrated, a lot of them, in terms of, the team not being able to do the things in their vision that fans want to see. And as long as fans want to see a rebuild and see draft picks, I think they're going to be upset because that's not what this team is doing. You, you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm not saying you should accept it. You do you. But as long as the people view this team with a lens of draft picks and futures taking your time, every move is going to piss you off because that's not what they're looking to do. They're trying to get better. The, uh, Everybody you, you, you talk to in the industry is like, what the heck are the Canucks doing? Yeah. This doesn't make much sense at all. And everybody seems to feel the same way except for this front office. Yeah. So it makes for a really interesting time ahead because the only thing that's going to quiet the fan base right now is wins. And winning next year is now a priority and an expectation that we should all have given where this thing is going. Yeah. And like somebody mentioned, they made so many trades, we, we forgot about the Luke Shen trade. Yeah. Luke Shen as well. Mm. So they made six trades. Ah, six trades since the, the Horvat trade. Since the Horvat trade. Uh, all right. So there is your six. And it's been a busy deadline season for our next guest. It is Canucks general manager, Patrick Alvin, joining us, joining us exclusively here on Canucks Central. Thanks for this, Patrick. Uh, how's, uh, how's the day been for you? Well, yeah, it was an early morning here in Vancouver. Yeah, know <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was good. It was uh, uh, my my uh, scouting staff and analytics staff have uh, done a great job here uh, leading up to today, and uh, we were all ready and prepared here ahead of it. And uh, uh, really, today there wasn't uh, we weren't really involved in in a lot of things uh, for good or bad, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know you mentioned the season obviously has not been a success given where you guys are in the standings. Given the amount of work you guys did 
leading up to the deadline and, you know, the last few days, do you feel like you had a successful deadline or do you wish you could have done more? I think you, you always want to do more, uh, <laughs> when you win, you want to win next, next time too, or next year too. But, um, overall, um, I was happy with the, with the players we were able to, uh, inquire here, uh, over the last couple, couple of days, weeks here. Uh, going back to the Horvat deal uh, and the return of, of uh, Bavillier Ratty in a first round pick there. Uh, Kravitz, getting Kravitz of, uh, uh, is an excited player, um, a, a young, another young player, uh, good age. Uh, we're able to play, pick up uh, Josh Bloom, where amateur guys were, uh, they, they felt really strongly uh, about. Uh, uh, getting Josh Bloom there, uh, who's, who's in the OHL and uh, will be ready to join the Abbotsford Canucks after the season. And then um, being able to pick up uh, Philip Bronick here uh, was a big thing for us. I've uh, been looking for a, a right shot defenseman for a year. And, and again, I credit to my uh, scouting staff and, and analytics staff uh, being very thorough and, and detailed and, and uh, prepared for uh, when 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 a guy of the caliber of Philip Ronick was available uh, we felt that uh, that was uh, that was a, a great piece to have uh, on our team when you say wanting to do more is that adding potentially another piece is that uh, you know shedding some of the cap commitments that you have for next year because as we know, uh, we can all do the math. You're right up against it, maybe even over it by some projections. Yeah. Um, well, I think both. Um, again, we're not happy where we are uh, sitting here and not being in the playoffs, uh, the bottom in the league. Yeah, there, there's need to be changes. Uh, if that's uh, players going out, the new players coming in, that's just part of the business. Oh, and, you know, as far as being able to create more cap space. You mentioned that you feel confident that come next September, you will be able to do that. Do you feel like there are moves you can make or there are other options in terms of getting salary off the books? You feel very strongly that you can get done here by that time? Uh, as, as we talked uh, during the last couple of weeks here, um, I felt comfortable that I had options uh, to uh, get cap compliant uh by uh, doing some some of those options moves uh, in the off season, um, where uh, were were enough discussions uh, that I felt that uh, at this point we we were a, we were in good hands adding a, a top right shot defenseman there. Are buyouts part of that equation? Um, hopefully not. I, I, I don't sure like to do that. Uh, uh, but again, uh, we got 20 games left of the season. I, I like, uh, some areas of our team, how we play. I like some of the players that, that have, uh, uh, responded well to the new coaching staff and the demand out of the new coaching staff. So hopefully, uh, we're players are able to track back and, and perform to the, what they're capable to. And, uh, maybe, the, maybe we, uh, you know, uh, are able to, to make a hockey trade or, or ladder moves and, and, 
it, it's hard. It's hard right now in the league with a with a cap in in terms of doing those uh, uh, kind of hockey trades. It's a lot of uh, thoughts have come into it. Well, well, cap space will you know it always does open up at least a little bit in the summer. Uh, but but do you believe? Other teams might squeeze you, knowing uh, you know that you're right up against the cap for next year, and you're going to have to make some moves to make all the money work. Well, I uh, uh, I squeezed them, so I'm sure they tried to squeeze me. <laughs> it works both ways, right? <laughs> that's that's part of it. Well, and clearly, uh, your guys' focus is to reshape the blue line. You guys have talked about that, and, and you've been, I know you guys mentioned that you've been in a, in a number of players over the last little while, but you also have guys who make a lot of money on your back end who haven't been able to play at a high level. Now, Myers' deal, he's going to run out after the next season, but Oliver Ekman-Larsen, big contract, he's had his struggles, he's injured right now. What do you do with his situation moving forward, and, and are you confident you can get that player if he stays to get back to being a big contributor here? Uh, again, I, I think uh, you're you're right. Uh, Oliver has not performed uh, to the level that I expect him to perform at, and uh, it's our job to help every single player to perform to their uh, to their level of what they're capable of. And uh, um, we need uh, we definitely need more out of uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, if our team is going to be better, he needs to be better. And uh, I'm sure that, that that he knows and he understands it, and and uh, we will work with him. Patrick Aldina, our guest. Um, you know, at, at one point last year, Jim Rutherford said we're we're not in a position to trade high draft picks. Um, what what changed from now and, and until or since then that you decided to move one of those picks? Uh, well, we still have a high draft pick uh, who might be a. Uh, a lottery pick uh, as of now. So, uh, what what changed in order to get Dronik? Well, uh, we actually added a draft pick in the deal with uh, Bo Horvat. So, um, I think that's where we turned in that draft pick to uh, to uh, uh, Philip Peronik. Well, there's there's a lot of talk, and of course, Patrick, I don't need to tell you about uh, how rumors get around all the time. But I wanted to just ask you like a philosophical question about team building. There's always talk about if you're trying to make a trade you want a specific player or type of player back in return. But as you mentioned, you made the Horvat trade, you flipped the first round pick to get a player you're looking for afterwards. And when you're looking at making these big trades, is it more important to find a player position or for you to get the assets that you can do other things with potentially? Uh, good question. Um, where I, I guess it depends what kind of team uh, you have and where you are in, in the process. Um, in, in, in our case, we, we felt that, uh, uh, if we could turn, uh, or maximize, uh, the return of, of Bo Horvat in, in terms of players that, that are younger players, and we've been looking for 25 and younger since I got in there, um, that we think there is more upside in and, um, have established himself as as legit top players in the league, and I, I, I that's where I felt uh, you know watching uh, Philip Ronick taking his, taking the step the last couple of years to where he is now, where I would you know considering him a top two defenseman in the National Hockey League at twenty five years old, where the salary cap of four four, and and we still have control of him over the next two years, along with uh, Bovillier. Uh, the same thing there that we control uh, and and uh, with his cap number, and uh, 
what he brings um, and the chemistry he seems to have with with uh, Petey and Kosmenko and how we want to play. Uh, those are the things that we were looking for in a return of parting ways with uh, with Horvath. You know, we've talked about the, the calf situation, um, but, you know, you, you said off the top of, of your press conference today with the rest of the media that there's still a lot of work to do here. Now, you've added Ronick, you've added Beauvillier, but you're right up against the cap. How do you now, you know, make another impact addition so that you can get closer to the playoffs? I believe that's, that's a big question we all have here. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, again, it, it's a lot of work here, and, and uh, we're definitely up for a challenge. Um, we're we're going to have pro meetings here uh, this week, and um, we're going to identify our, our needs uh, over the summer and uh, uh, continue to talk to teams and, and see, uh, you know, uh, where uh, some fits in terms of transaction would be. Uh, Patrick, I did want to get your thoughts on JT Miller. You mentioned, I mean, obviously a lot of rumors around him this week. And, you know, we heard he's a week to week, comes back and plays and all the rumors around him, obviously. And I know you mentioned one team called on him today, but you guys never got an offer based on what you mentioned. How likely is it that JT stays here? And what is the appetite when it comes to listening to a player like him? Well, First, I think uh, regarding to JT's injury, uh, I think that speaks highly about his uh, drive and commitment to play for this team. Uh, he was going to be out, uh, I believe, seven to ten days, but uh, he, he worked hard. And, and uh, I got the call from a doctor yesterday and asking me if, if I would would play JT Miller and I said absolutely sure if he, if you if you tell me he's healthy he's 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 playing and JT really wanted to play the game um JT has been a, he's been a, a really good player uh for a number of years now and I do think that uh getting him back to center position and in a more structured environment and with a coaching staff and how we want to play he he's he's an important player, and I think there is there is uh, there is no secret that that he's a top player in the league. And and yeah, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that teams are, you know, listen uh, sa- same as me. Like I'm I'm listening around on you know if the if there is a, a fit uh, um, with other teams, uh, not not. On on my own play, but if if other teams have available players and what it take and what's the cost to get them, um, and I think that's where, as I said, uh, I got one call this morning uh, about uh, J T uh, Miller and if he was available. Um, but I, as I said, did never uh, got an offer to even consider if he was or not. Well, and if you're trying to be a playoff team next to like you mentioned it, and that's the expectation, then. Do you need to hold on to players like him? And like Dan was asking you, you know, how aggressive can you be to make the roster strong enough for you to feel like you can be a playoff team? Well, we we weren't good enough this year, so we definitely need more out of the current players, or need to change or or roster uh, with a I'll give our, our roster a different look and. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to have uh, Elias and JT in the middle there. Uh, as of right now, um, you know, uh, I don't 
uh, feel that we have a third line center, uh, that that would probably be a, a priority for us to look uh, look at this summer. You do have uh, six contract slots available to you now. You mentioned being aggressive, signing the college free agents if they come available and, and have those discussions. Was it important to create more space to sign potentially multiple players here? Um, we were we were aware of uh, our contract situation coming into this week, and uh, we wanted to uh, to save a couple of uh, contracts uh, just in case uh, if anything materialized with uh, with some of those uh, uh, potential uh, college free agent players or, or uh, CHL f- uh, free agent players uh, that would be available uh, that our uh, scouts have uh, identified uh, during the year. Patrick, we uh, appreciate the time as always. Know it's been a busy day, a couple of weeks. Uh, appreciate this, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, guys. There is Patrick Alvine joining us here on uh, on Canucks Central Sat. So in terms of trying to get information about what their plan is going to be and, and what they're going to do, a, a few things stood out. One, they feel like based on their conversations on their players, they can move some some ca- salary cap out, right? And people are asking, how do you clear the cap situation? We've heard that before. They yep. mentioned, we feel like we can do this later. They said the offseason, it didn't happen. The deadline hasn't happened. They've added to the books. They have to be compliant by the season. So you will find a way to be that way. The question is, can you clear enough to get better? And he mentioned making some lateral moves, potentially trading players for somebody else that can help you and, and fill some gaps for you. So I think he outlined his plan in that regard. But how confident are you that they can get that stuff out? Not very confident. Like, who, who are the players that would actually have value based on what we saw on the trade deadline? It would be Garland. Yeah. Maybe Beauvillier. Yeah. Besser, I think... He essentially the, said in, in the media availability that... Besser, Besser needs to play better. Yes, essentially. If he wants to get traded, he's got to play better. Which, to me, translates to, if Besser is going to get traded, he needs to play better because yes. we're not eating some of his contract. Yeah, so I, I don't think that's a guy. It's clear... They, they know they can easily move. It comes down to those two players. Myers, when his bonus gets paid out, that's one. Buyouts, here was the other thing. Then that, you know, what did they not get into in terms of media availability? Mm-hmm. The buyouts, he said, that's something I don't want to do, but we'll see, essentially. Uh, it is something we've talked about going back to Rutherford's comment earlier this year. Um, he certainly downplayed it, right? Well, the, he did. The idea of using a buyout. Yeah, and the, the only buyout that makes any sort of sense is the Oliver ekman Larson one. And that's why we followed up and asked about Oliver ekman Larson and his play. And he made it seem like he's going to come back next year and they're going to work with him. But he also made it very clear Oliver ekman Larson has not been good enough. Do they resist the urge? I think it's entirely dependent on what else they're able to do. Because they've almost backed themselves into a corner where if you're unable to move one of these other deals by the draft, aren't you sort of stuck with having to buy out Oliver ekman Larson? Well, yeah. And I mean, and that's why, you know, you asked the question yeah. about like, what makes you confident about being able to do some of these things? Yep. You know, and why are you taking on cap space then mm-hmm. in order to make these deals? Acquire Philip Peronic and continue to add cap commitments for next year. Now everybody can see you're over the cap. But as Patrick said, I'll squeeze them. Well, that's they the thing. squeeze me. I'll squeeze them. Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of funny. 
I will squeeze them. So, I mean, hey, he's going to put the squeeze on as well. And that's why you asked, like, do you feel like you're in a in a tough situation? Or are you going to get squeezed with They backed themselves it? into a corner, Sat. Uh, yeah. Like, prove me wrong. What? But they backed themselves into a corner here. Everybody can see what their cap situation is like. And it's not pretty. How do you move these deals now? Uh, we'll continue to dissect this. Uh, continue to take your questions as well. And Irfan um, Gaffar is going to join us. What exactly has been going on with JT Miller? Alvin downplayed yeah. a lot of those discussions. They ramped up again today. But what actually has been happening? At least our thoughts on what's been happening. That's next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Deadline has come and gone. It is now in the rear view mirror. We just had a chance to speak exclusively with Patrick Alvin, continuing to break that down. Take your questions, 650, 650 at the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. And trying to figure out how the puzzle all fits for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward since they weren't able to move out significant cap space today that is going to be a very difficult thing to figure out and predict but we're in the Kintech studio Kintech footwear and orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1500 no no 2500 five-star google reviews find your perfect fit at kintech.com Net. Still a lot to come. Irfan Gafar, Yannick Hansen will both join us in hour two. Our mailbag coming up after five o'clock as we've got an extended version of Canuck Central here today on Sportsnet 650. Now, I get it. A lot of fans are not happy with the direction that the team is taking. Yes. There is a clear disagreement from many in the fan base with how this team is pushing forward now well yeah they they do absolutely yeah not everyone but but a lot and we continue to hear from them sometimes i do um you know, i do wonder exactly what people would like to hear us ask patrick alvine he did the news conference earlier today he answered a lot of questions there Spent about half an hour talking to media, mm -hmm. answered a lot of questions about why they did the Hronik deal, all these things. We have a much shorter time frame, and we try to maximize it as much as we can. Not by asking the same questions, but following up on some of the things that he said earlier so that we can get deeper answers than what he gave to the larger media. Trying to find some more details on some of the things they might be looking to do or not, right? And, and ultimately, what we want to find—it's clear— They've said this before. It's a build. They've never said a rebuild. Every time they push back on it, they've said it's going to take some time, a lot of work to do, but we're building. That's always what they've said. Yes. We all know that this ownership has never done a full rebuild, has never had interest in doing a full rebuild. No. They hired people that wanted to do a retool. 
Yes. The first time I remember with Benning. Remember when Mike Gillis came in too. It's a team that missed the playoffs. He felt like they needed to make some bold moves. They did, did a couple of things. They built the team up and then they went up, went up right? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that they did was hiring Jim Benning and Trevor Linden with the group that had just kind of run its course through the 2011 years and they were trying to do a retooled. Yeah. And now a new management team's come in with a team that's fa- the failure to launch yes. era, right? Like this team never never really launched, but can can we get them to launch and they're trying to retool the team to launch. They've always hired people to do a retool. And Jim Rutherford, a guy who's in the last chapter of a Hall of Fame career, isn't coming in to spend, you know, his 70s mm-hmm. for 10 seven, eight, or 4 or 5 years or whatever to try to build that out. It's a quicker timeline. So it's never going to be the big rebuild. And I think that's very clear with their moves, especially this one here, that this plan isn't too dissimilar from the one we saw with the previous regime. The question is execution. Yeah. The question is player evaluation. And there are differences in the types of players they've acquired and the age of the players they've acquired and how they've acquired them. But it's the same path they're taking. Mm-hmm. Retool on a fly. Let's find some guys to fill the age gap. We feel like we can turn this around a bit faster. Let's make some moves and we'll, we'll kind of get there. We'll take some reclamation projects. Fans who are tired of this plan, they're tired because they saw this plan fail. Yes. It doesn't mean this plan is going to fail because this is the plan that mostly happens in the National Hockey League, right? Yes. The retool. Sometimes it's successful. Oftentimes it's not. Same with the kind of a rebuild. It just comes down to execution. Mm-hmm. But because fans haven't seen it be successful, you don't have faith in the execution being any better. And that's why our initial reaction when the trade happened a couple of days ago, not that Hironik's a bad player, it's more like, oh, it's not going to be any different. Yeah, It's going to be the same plan. That's a high wire act. And you hope you don't make mistakes. It, it doesn't mean it's not going to work. It just means it's the same plan you've seen that didn't work last time. Um, the, the thing about building a team in a professional sports league is it they all have a low probability of success. <laughs> Right? They all have a low probability of success. Facts only. One team wins at the end of the day. The Tampa Bay Lightning took them 10 years to figure it out. When did they draft Stamkos and Hedman? Late 2000s, right? Early 2010s. Uh, the, The Maple Leafs, for all the glitz and the glamour of their big rebuild and there will be pain. They sucked for one year. Mm-hmm. They were aggressive about their rebuild after the Kessel era, and they were smart about it. I think that's more of the path I felt the Canucks should go down. But guess what? Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, they laugh at yours and my opinion of how to build this team because this is how they feel is the right way to build this team. They're okay with, you know, walking the high wire and going through with this whenever any little bit of cap space opens up they'll use it they've got an extra draft pick to go out and get philip peronic they're going to do it because their view is that they need to put pieces around elias Patterson and quinn hughes and thatcher demko as soon as possible well and when we asked them about like adding to the like the team you have, how do you add to it? And who are the who are the players he mentioned today? Mm-hmm. It was Hughes, Heronic, yep. Pedersen, Kuzmenko, JT Miller, and Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Those are the six players he mentioned. And we had a discussion 
about who are the true like foundational players. A lot of guys can be core players. Like you can extend a core a little bit farther, right? And say Mikheyev, he can be a core type of player. Bavillier, top six winger, he can be a core player. But foundational pieces are different. They have six foundational pieces. They feel like Hironik's the guy that came in. But going back to how we started the conversation, that's all fine and good. Because what you've done, however, is still subtract a Horvat. Now you get a right-hand defenseman, which is good. Like They had a glut of centers to some degree. Yeah. If you believe JT's a center, and they needed a right hand defenseman. And somehow, some way, you have to turn one of those players into a right hand defenseman long term. The hope a lot of fans had what it, that it was going to be a younger player, even like a 21 year old, 22 year old, a younger prospect or whatever. But like you mentioned, it was always going to be a guy maybe a bit older. But that's what they wanted to do. So, what you've done in terms of overall team strength is balance your team. And balance may mean your team is better, but it's not significantly better. And to get significantly better here, Dan, how do you get better in your current situation? So let's talk through it, right? Because mm-hmm. we've seen the plan before. You have little faith that it's going to work out. So how would it work out? Like what would have to happen yeah. for this plan, this iteration of the retool to work this time? Well, you have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes continue to be uh, top end, top, 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 top end players. Thatcher Demko gets back to being a top goalie in the league. JT Miller successfully transitions to being a full-time center. We haven't seen that yet. You have Philip Peronic be able to, I don't, you know, the more I've thought about it, and we talked about it on the panel with Murph last night, I think Peronic needs to play on another pair outside of the one with Quinn Hughes. Because yeah. Quinn can manage his own pair and control play, control goals on the ice, as ba- close to as good as anybody in the league. So I'm not worried about Quinn. But how do you create a second pair that isn't just even, but is above water? Then you've got two D pairs that are above water. That's another starting point. Mm-hmm. You figured out how to score some goals. Great. How do you build out depth? Your bottom six gets crushed. We've seen this bottom six. They've spent money on the bottom six. They've brought in the Beagles and, and all these other guys and yeah. the Roussels in the past, and none of it worked. Yeah. They brought in Lazard. didn't work. No. Like everybody they identified to play in the bottom six – Still doesn't work. Well, Joshua, I think, has been a player who has some potential. Like, yeah. they gave a two-year deal, and it was he was going to be a guy that they're going to work with. Mm-hmm. And he's shown some flashes. I think Niels Ullmann has shown a little little bit of something. But very marginal. Yeah. You know, like we're talking very marginal so far. And they have some potential, and we'll see where it goes. So, so I like the identific- identification of those players. Like, I honestly do. Lazar, yeah, I mean, it was... I was fine with making the bet. Right-hand centerman. You thought he's coming into his own. He played decently in a fourth-line role in Boston. He gave a little something on the PK. And clearly, he couldn't handle that bigger role in Vancouver. Like, he yeah. struggled in that role. He was not going to be an answer. He barely played center yeah. here. He was not going to be the guy. But Couldn't least, win a face-off on the penalty kill. But at least they ended up, they moved them out. Yeah. And then you got a fourth-round pick back. And you lost a contract off your books. So it gave you a little flexibility. So, I'm, you know, that's fine. But you, your identification of that center has to be better. Like the third line center you find probably has to be a righty because yeah. you need a right-hand option. You don't have one. And and they have to find, like even he, uh, Alvin said, we need more deep defensive help, but we really need that other centerman. They need, as these textures are putting it, they need miracles. And that's essentially what Jim Rutherford got when he went to Pittsburgh. You know, they had and hit on basically a run of trades that you wouldn't normally see happen, right? They hit on 
almost every trade they got. They they hit big on the Phil Kessel deal. They had guys coming out of nowhere. Jake Gensel hits and is a huge player for them. Carl Haglin, big hit. You know, on defense, Justin Schultz out of the ether in Edmonton, all of a sudden is able to play number one type D minutes in the playoffs on the way to a Stanley Cup run because basically everybody else was hurt. They need a lot of things to go right. And that's the problem with this sort of a build or why there's so much skepticism as to why it's going to work. You need too many things to go right. And it's improbable that all of those things are going to go right for you. I mean, the contrast of the Detroit Red Wings, I think, is fascinating this week because, you know, they make the deal with the the Canucks. They they decide, you know what, there's no point of continuing to try and push for the playoffs in this beastly Eastern Conference. Even if we make it, we're going to get roasted in the first round by whomever we play, whether it's Carolina or Boston, if we're lucky enough to get into one of these wildcard spots. Let's keep building while all these other teams are going all in right now. And we're going to have an incredible team a couple of years in a couple of years when Tampa and Boston are all sort of, you know, on the dying embers of these cores that they've built and spent a lot to keep alive. It's, it's a really smart play by, uh, by uh, Steve Iserman, who's a sharp. And right now we have nothing to suggest that these guys are sharps in the Canucks front office with the way that they've handled this. I hate that. Uh, that is sort of, the way that it's gone. Yeah. But I, I, what, I, what I would say this, though, like, you know, we all know, right? Like, it's the plan's going to be different. Like, the plan's not going to be the Steve Eiserman plan. But, like, we still have to figure out, like, how is it going to work going this way? Right? Like, so you find that, do you find the third line centerman? What type of moves have to happen from this point on? Okay. Are you able to move Garland out? That First has and to foremost, happen. They got to move cap. Like, that's, well, that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm saying, but, but let's walk through it. Like, so, like, if you like, who's the guy that you can actually move out? Like, is it Garland or Bovillier? Yes. So you move one of those guys out. It opens up five million potentially. Myers, right? So, how much of Myers can you can you reasonably move out? Can you move out the full six million, or do you have to retain? The only way you move out the six million, I think, is we pay the bonus, and maybe a team like Arizona is willing to take it on because the cap it exceeds what you're paying out. Yeah. And just helps them kind of just a number. Now I don't know if they need that, but hey, could that help Arizona? No matter what, like you know, like. <laughs> It's a million dollar salary. And can they look at it and say, maybe we'll give a fifth round pick for that? Mm-hmm. And then we can flip him at the deadline for something? Yeah. And then you get the whole money off your books. Is that a possibility potentially? If not, you retain half the salary. $3 million. So you can get $3 million off the books. So can you get $5 million off Garland, $3 million off Myers? That's $8 million. Mm-hmm. What does that open up? That opens up for you to go and get a defenseman yeah. in free agency or via trade. Because I think that's still potentially the priority, unless you're buying it, unless you're really banking on Oliver Ekman Larson being here. Hmm. Like you're really looking at OEL and Heronic. Because I don't know if that's the plan, right? That's another thing they need to hit. They need Oliver Ekman Larson to maybe play more like last year. Right. But now, that's a bare minimum. I mean, is Heronic his tonic? Yeah. But at the same time, you're still missing that lefty penalty killer. Can you find a third pair of guy that can fill that need and you can piece it together a little bit? Sure, but it's not a long-term answer. Yeah. You know, so that's $8 million. If you clear that $8 million, that means the Vancouver Canucks would have about $11.4 million in cap space, mm-hmm. but they would have to fill nine spots. 
So that money, all it does is allow them to kind of bring their guys back yeah. and perhaps sign one player. So that's just a clear money for you to be able to do some things. For you to make a trade, a lateral move, another piece has to go. So who's that other piece? He said they're not trading first round picks. Yeah. Besser, well, they're not he trading said, this first round pick. Right. Besser, he said, it's probably not going to happen. You could probably move Bavillier out if you wanted to then. Yeah. Do you just do that? Build his value while playing with Elias Pettersson and then move him out in the offseason? Pretty much. Like, yeah. is that, is that, so if you clear that, that's what, 12 million? Okay. Is that possible? But if you do, again, you have to fill those spots again, right? But I hate that we're doing this again, though. I understand, but it's like, more about like, I'm, I'm just trying to walk yeah. through like, how is this even possible? Like, how do you get there? And if you get that money off, how do you move on to that next thing? But do you do that just to go and, and overpay for somebody in free agency again? Well, I, I certainly mean, hope not. You're just throwing, you know, you're throwing, you open up the cap space to throw it after bad money, you know, throwing good money after bad again. Well, I mean, so the bad money is if you fail on the player evaluation. Yeah. And... You know, like if the, there is one thing they have hit on a lot of their player evaluations. So yeah, far. they've missed on a few. We talked about Lazar. Yep. Obviously, didn't work out. We'll see where Studnika ends up. You know, we'll see what Kraftsov goes. There are some free agent options that you could go after. Either a lefty defensive guy or a righty defensive guy. Yeah. You know, whether it's Gavrikov or Severson, somebody's texting in those names as well. Those names are available in free agency. I'm not enamored with the idea of what we're spending on free agency. So, so I'm with you in that in that regard. But that's probably like the pathway, isn't it? Like yeah. if you're trying to identify what are they going to do, I could see one of those defensemen who are like, what, 27 years old? Mm -hmm. You sign one of those guys and can they trade for a centerman? Trade for a third line center? Yeah. I mean, they were linked to some centers at the deadline. Uh, I I believe they checked in on Alex Turcott, who hasn't shown that he's an NHLer yet. So, no. But he falls in the mold of a Vitaly Kravtsov type. So I think for you to find your third line center, you're probably not finding in a free agency. You're probably taking a flyer on someone. Yeah. Trading for a prospect, making sort of a move, and hoping that your evaluation is right on that player, whether it's a Turkov type that you're identifying similarly to how you brought in guys like Ethan Bear. Because mm -hmm. what other ways are there? Because like if we're looking at guys with value, unless you're actually moving JT Miller, which they said they're, you know, You'll listen, but you're probably not going to do it. And we'll get to JT in a second, because I think there are a lot of layers to it yeah. that we can really dissect. But the pathway for them to get better, I don't know if it exists in terms of moving a high-value asset and getting picks. It's these types of moves. Like, I think he even said some sideways moves a little Hockey bit here trades, and there. Yeah. And, and move stuff out. Like, in terms of making that splash to get a big quality asset back, I don't know if that move is going to happen. They thought they were going to make those moves last offseason. Yeah, and I think and they never already, really materialized. Yeah, and I think they already spent the, that move with the Horvat one. Yeah. And unless you decide to move Demko or Miller. That's mm -hmm. essentially what it comes down to. And the rest you're looking at is prospects in the system right are, are they going to be looking to see if hoaglander fits here long term yeah. jack rathbone do you use those players to make some sideways moves hockey trades but that's what we're looking at here i don't think you'll be able to move miller and free up all of his eight million dollar cap charge for next year mm -hmm. you're probably having to take something back how long how big that is is still to be determined but i don't think there's a world where you oh like even the, we're going to get to the Miller rumor stuff with Earth. Don't worry about it because there's a lot there. But I don't think there's a world where a team just gives you a couple of draft picks for JT Miller. Well, okay. So 
The Canucks are adamant. Yeah. They were never close on JT, right? But, that's that's what they've said officially. Yeah. But let's assume for a moment that teams actually were interested, that Pittsburgh mm-hmm. actually had real interest, and they were actually offering you draft picks. If that is true, big if, if that's actually true, does that not mean there is a market around JT? Yeah. And if there's a market around JT, does that not mean you might get better value if you too, truly try to explore that come the draft? If that's true, like people are saying they believe that's true. If you believe that's true, then you must also believe that there is value in potentially moving JT Miller. I think they're... I, I've said it from the beginning. There, If JT made it to free agency, somebody would have given him the seven-year, $56 million contract. Even after the season he has had, teams still... Somebody still would have given him a seven-year, $56 million contract. So you will never convince me that there isn't interest from around the league in JT Miller, the player. What that cost is, is a very different conversation. And we're not going to stop talking about JT Miller trades until there's no movement clause kicks in. Yeah, and that's it's, not it's going hap- right through the draft. And that's going to happen on July 1st. So people are wondering, when does his no movement clause, no trade clause kick in? July 1st. Yeah. Canada Day, baby. Yeah, that's a, lo- that's a new league year. <laughs> we could celebrate a holiday and... JT Miller's no-move clause kicking in. What is Irfan Gaffar hearing on the next steps for the Vancouver Canucks? That's coming up on Canucks Central.